Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. There's people who sit at the table and they're there to make money that night. Breaking, he says the same way. And I have to agree with him in the sense, I've seen some people in breaking. It's not that they make money, it's that they're playing statistics in the sense they're buying all of the, uh, the hot quarterbacks team in 50 cases. And in those 50 cases over a big net, they're going to normally do well. You're right. Exactly. But even those people can be cheated if they have oh, a weight of hand switcheroos. But most of them I've talked to will not go on camera because they also are often the whales or the clearinghouse for a breaker. It does not mean in a bad way. It just means if I'm a breaker, you'll find that some breakers have a guy who'll close the break for them. It's the same guy who's got preferential treatment in some way. He's probably bought all 50 cases of the Jets. So yeah, he's going to close the Bears, close some garbage team if you need it. But Michael, the thing is, every slot in the break has an after the fact or uh, imputed or calculable uh, value. In other words, you put in a hundred bucks and your expected value for that is 75. But if somebody lowers the price to 75 or 70 or 65, then you should buy all the slots you can that are less than what the expected value is. Because in the long run, you'll make money. But if they're doing that math, they've turned it into a game of skill. Yes. Even though there's a random aspect to it. But I want to flip coins with anybody. If I have a coin that's going to come (laughs) up 51% heads, in the long run, I'm going to win a lot of money. I do not endorse breaking or recommend it. The reason breaking is so successful is not because of so many losers. There are more losers than winners, but it's almost a lifeblood to the hobby. I think if you took breaking out, it would be bad. It's an important part of the hobby ecosystem. Yeah. And I I think the regulators or the powers that be, even fanatics and other cars, they tolerate it. In fact, they enjoy the enthusiasm of those communities. And if it were to go away, that's a big source of where their product is going. But what you're saying is tightening up the mechanisms or allowing for the danger signs of if you come up on a breaker and they're not doing these kinds of things, if they're on and off camera in certain ways, then if there's an evaluation, hey, sorry, we cannot recommend those because they do not do the uh, the unbiased breaking protocols, whatever that is. In fact, you remember, Ty, he started Breaker Culture. It used to be a website that just gave reviews on breaks. And yeah. back in 15, 16, the community self-regulated. Like, there were a lot of shady breakers. There was the Brandon Cooks to 99 story that people will remember. When that happened, that breaker was shut down. In 2020, 2021, there's just been so many new people. That those things, yeah, things, they go undiscovered. Like, I'm a big fan of self-regulating. My recommendation, if I'm backyard breaks, which I have to say, I'm impressed with their innovation. I'm not going to oh. endorse these guys, but I'm impressed with their innovation. They should take a leadership spot in the gaming or they're self-regulating, right? And some other breakers have, because many of these breakers, in my opinion, have been kind of complacent. They've enjoyed their allocations. They haven't done anything else new. They've been fast about it. And I think if somebody innovates and maybe takes a self-regulating market space, they could change the market. And if they do that too, Fanatics is going to watch that. I'd welcome Fanatics rewarding a breaker who's self-regulating the market versus a breaker who's been sitting around with allocation for 20 years. Rewarding people that have the eyeballs, have the bigger following. But I like the idea. I'm a ranking and rating and evaluating Mm -hmm. and price guides and stuff like that. I don't care about the volume of the breaker. I care about their integrity. And if they don't sound business practices, again, it needs to be objective. It can't be, I didn't have a good feeling about that. It needs to be something, hopefully that's quantifiable, but I'd be all in favor of that. And I think Panini would be too. And so yeah. would Maddox, and so would Leaf or Upper Deck or anybody, because it makes their product look... I was impressed by Brian Leaf making comments that he watches breaks yeah. and that he corrects. That was very impressive to me. I haven't followed up to know if he does or doesn't, but I don't think Panini 
or the other guys have the bandwidth to do it. But I thought that was great. Oh, you know? They do have the bandwidth to do it. They don't think it's a value, Michael. Well, that's sad. I don't know whether it be you or me or anybody else. The value has not been demonstrated. Basically, <laughs> there is a problem that if Brian Gray does something, some of the bigger card companies think, I'm not going to do that. Brian's the contrary. So if he's doing that, if he's zigging, I'm going to zag. But then Brian's saying the same thing. If they're zagging, I'm going to zig. And yeah. so he delights in being different. And so if Brian's doing it, I think if they're smart, they're going to say, hey, Brian's doing this. He's on a roll. If he's looking at all these breaks. How can we afford not to do that as well? And we can't see them all. Or like you're saying with Ty or other things, how could we encourage some of our fans or people out regulate. to self-regulate, to yeah. evaluate? Uh, because if that happened, the hobby would be a safer place and a safer place is going to be healthier and it's going to ultimately lead to bigger bucks. The backyard breaks, guys, you can't take the personality out of it and neuter everybody, but they've got to play fair. They've got to shoot straight yep. and they can bring all their personality and attire to it that they want to. From what I understand, their biggest knock is that they were going to give a free card away, didn't give it away, but I think they did make things better. Other breakers have had really worse strikes against them and are still in business. So it's just a subjective thing. Like I said, I think the card companies will do whatever they think is of value to them. But if they had a breaker review board that gave them a yeah, fight yeah. of what's going on out there, but if Tops is no longer going to give product to GTS, a magazine exchange, then Fanatics and Tops are already thinking about controlling distribution and to have their own breakers or to decide who they want to give that. Because the GTS product, it's going to go somewhere. They're yeah. going to allocate it. And breakers are an important part of it. We talked about Brian Leaf being a competitor. Part of me doesn't think that Fanatics needs to, nor should they buy Panini. Everybody's expecting this acquisition of Panini, but the only thing they'd want is really the license is a little faster. Is the IP that important to them? And what I mean by that, fast forward five years, is Prism worth less or more to me because it's not being made by Fanatics anymore? Because it'll be Topps Chrome or whatever. I think that part, you want to have a market space and a perceived competitive market space. So I think they leave Panini alone. I think that's coming from Brian and Brian think, is going to throw 10 predictions out there. He's going to be right on six or seven because he's a smart guy. And I think he is in the know, but I agree with you. This was the correct acquisition. Looking yep. back. Just like leaf. They don't want to buy leaf. Uh, in fact, they're going to learn from leaf. They're, they're going to watch Brian. So somebody yeah. else can buy into Brian's thing. Upper deck, same thing. It's the, the, the Panini. The, they're going to have maximum distribution. They're going to have maximum licenses that, that yep. what they want. And so if they were to buy Panini, it'd be because of the strength of some of the team. Not all the team, but some yep. of the team. I know some of the guys are super sharp. Not all of them, but some of them. And sometimes when you buy the whole company, you get to pick at the litter of the people because there'll be obvious duplication if they own top. Oh, yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to do retain, be, retention. Would, yeah, and if they lumped them together, there'd be some strengths that Panini has that Tops didn't have and vice versa probably too. And the reason I say that is I think, again, that's good for a hobby in the sense that maybe there's not product competition with the NBA product line. But if Panini does stick around, I like that in a sense. It I means they're going to be making other products, other things they're going to be supporting. They're going to get a check. Just like Leaf has been a check, right? They're going to be an innovator. Maybe they do put a breaker's not going to do an exclusive with Fanatics and they still want to get access to Panini and Leaf products. It's funny. I'm rooting for Panini more now than I ever have. There's Panini, the organization, and then there's Panini, the people. And there's some good people there, just like Tops. Every corporate decision they make is not perfect. I think Fanatics, it was very strategic and wise for them to buy Tops when they did. Yeah. Not as much. If they do, they might, but I don't think they have to. It does bring in the wrong kind of regulatory scrutiny. Yes, exactly. And Panini is 
you know, a, a good competitor in that respect. Yeah. I, I think they're not happy that they're losing their licenses. But Brian Gray has shown that if you don't have the major licenses, there's still a lot of cool product you can make that people will like. I'm still a fan of NFTs, not as an NFT to go buy collectible NFTs, but as an NFT used to tie to an individual and give them value. So for example, I think many of these companies, Fanatics, will identify a user, right? They want user data. I'll get an NFT issue to me as a collector. And then as I engage in the cyber world, if I go to a Dave and Adams or I go to a show or whatever, and I use my NFT to get access to stuff, they'll be tracking what I'm doing. And I think they'll get me access to different things. Like for example, Panini still has access to autographs with players and jerseys. They have exclusive with Luca right now. I could still be a collector of Panini's digital products or what other products they might have to get access to an autograph session with him. So I'm still excited about the innovation that's coming out that's still out there. Like Panini's done a lot. Their blockchain stuff, I think is the best in the market space right now. Blockchain is here to stay. Crypto, some questions there. NFT, some big questions there. They need to go in the direction you're talking about, that the NFT is not a proxy for a A card. It's got to be a connection that's irrevocably ties the holder to the issuer. Like I say, the season ticket holders get NFTs, but the NFT just puts you in a blockchain relationship or the holder of it. Here's but another great the example. card of the NFT or the NFT of the card, I'm not getting that. And see the preview before they release them. So I saw all the NBA Prism cards on the NFT blockchain before they came out. But here's what they should do. I really want to go to a Panini VIP party. So put those in blockchain format so that you can either pull them out of a redeemable. So maybe I get a redemption for one. And then it could be sold on the market. So maybe I'm in Wisconsin. I can't go to the VIP party in Chicago next year. That's not a good example. I'm in Hawaii. So I could sell the NFT and then the NFT could be redeemed for going to the VIP party. Maybe it's a multi-year pass. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. It's otherwise the NFT is basically digital representation on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. that could be a card. I just don't get it. Again. It's a connection to an experience and yep. connecting to the issuing authority with the blockchain protection that this is yep. what it's supposed to be. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And that would be sought after. That would yep. value. Here's the thing too. Let's say I'm a collector. I'm a power collector. I've got all these cool things, events I've been to. I could then ev- eventually sell my NFT. I'm selling my NFT. I'm out of collecting. If the, if the NFT, NFT is the access to this. Exactly. To my metaphor, all my stuff. Yeah. But here's the thing. If Fanatics does not buy Panini, then they can let Panini go down that road. Yep. If Panini is successful, then they can do it too. Again, I'll just say they have done a phenomenal job. I don't want to like pump because I like the NFTs just because it's fun for me, but they're affordable. They've done a very good job keeping the numbers very low on their minting. They have a plan. They're adding more utility, collectability in it. I like what Panini's doing, not just there, but in other spaces. So I hope they stick around. I hope they end up competing. I might become a big Panini fanboy in the future, which is ironic because I've been a critic of them for a while. <laughs> but utility to me is the key. Without the utility, yep. it's a gimmick. Yep. And you can always change it utility. Don't make it just one time. Not just for one VIP party. Do one for next year. Do one for the national. Do one for, hey, you get to meet your favorite athlete in the future or whatever. From tops, I'm doing it at baseball stadiums. When I go to baseball stadiums, 50 players with their NFT come in and sit at the box. They get to sign with the player at the end. Or There's so many experiences that we could tie into this um, that I, I think well, will happen to now, See, that's what fanatics can bring to it with their relationship yes, with, players with the players. players. I don't know yep. that Panini is going to have access other than their endorsees. Again, if they have Luca, that's a good start right there. It uh, is interesting. You're right. I've heard how Fanatics is choking off autographs on the TTM market as well. Have you heard that? Give it not away if we're going to sell it, yeah. But I think they're even being told now not to sign rookie cards. Charge, talking about charge for rookie cards. But yeah, they can do that because they're in a business relationship. The Spectrum is from NASCAR, which everybody signs for anybody anywhere, anytime of these drivers. 
because yep. it's part of the culture to the other end where you know the top athletes the the, the lebrons where they won't even sign they're just uh, under lock and key by upper deck do you think it's upper deck or is it lebron that doesn't do anything like why isn't lebron and michael jordan come out with new autos in the last two years and they watch everything going on in the hobby they got to be aware of it why when they come out and say hey let's go some, make some autograph stuff with upper deck is it them or upper deck that's holding that back you think oh i think they're self-regulating i think upper deck is upper deck's a for-profit company if they flood the market that's bad so they're judiciously in their mind putting it out there but lebron would you rather sign 10 autographs at a thousand bucks each or a thousand autographs at 10 bucks each? Oh, i agree but i'm just they're, saying they're, like- it's a controlled scarcity and i bet they've got some in the back room that if something happens to lebron or michael or tiger they've got deceased autographs ready to roll out i agree with you. i like upper deck a lot but during 2020 and 2021 they didn't take advantage of that opportunity in my opinion like even with the lebron triple logo man that sold i gotta think michael's one of michael's friends that'd be like hey man why don't you pull out one of your triple logo man to go that would blow it away people would love a triple logo man from upper deck if upper deck came out with a triple logo man michael jordan man it's the age-old problem in our industry is that when you're in business and general electric used to do this is if you're a public company or people are observing or you've got investors they want to see earnings growth and you yeah. have the ability to stage your earnings by putting things out there it's taking stuff out of the safe and putting it out there but there's a fine line of flooding the market and just putting a little bit out at each time and the long-term play in this industry tops doesn't double their production from one year to the next but they might increase it by 20 percent for a couple of years in a row because it's just too much of a shock that they don't yeah. want to shock the market. And so yeah, right. they, they could do that one time. But I think these companies and fanatics for sure is looking at this as an, an annuity. They're going to be making money yeah. for a really long time. So the money you make this year, they're going to make even more the next year and even more the year. Is to 